Welcome to the podcast of Unity Fort Worth. In it, you'll hear this week's message and meditation. If you'd like to hear and see the complete service, you can always find it at unityfortworth.org or on the Unity Fort Worth Facebook page. Unity Fort Worth focuses on positive and practical Christianity with a willingness to explore the entire world of religion and spiritual thought. Unity Fort Worth streams live every Sunday at 11 a.m. Thanks for listening to the Unity Fort Worth podcast. All right. So last week, um, you had uh, Reverend Dr. Anya Plotten, and the week before, um, I started us on a, a journey of beginnings. And it was inspired by the youth and family ministry uh, because they're talking about the same thing right now. And so we're lining up again with youth and family ministry currently to uh, give the family a chance to talk with their children at home about what we talk in here. So we started out with Let There Be Light a couple of weeks ago, which is all about the first chapter in Genesis, which is the very first chapter in the Bible, very first chapter in the Hebrew Scriptures, the Torah. And it talks about the six days of creation, <clears throat> and let there be light is at the very beginning, day one. And so we, we looked at that a little bit and how it connects to the creative process, as we call it in unity, how we actually create in life, how we create our own goodness in life, how we also create our own challenges in life. It's all packed in in those six days, and we looked at that a little bit, and Today, I want to move a little bit further and go into chapter 2, which is primarily about Adam and Eve. There are two creation stories in the Hebrew Scriptures, in, in Genesis. One is the one about let there be light and how God created the world in the first place. And on day 6, you can see God creates land animals, and Adam and Eve. He doesn't say he creates Adam and Eve there. He just says, he or she, or whatever, it says we are creating humans according to our likeness. Right? So here it is. Then God said, let us make humans in our image. I always find this interesting. It's not my image. It's our in, in, in image. According to our likeness, not my likeness, our likeness. Not a lot of people know that or remember that. That gives you a hint. And then let them have dominion. The power of power, a power of dominion. Right? One of the 12 powers we have, purple. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, and over the wild animals of the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. Now, this is often understood except, oh, we got to be, have dominion is understood. We got to be in control. That's not at all what it is. It's a sign again about that we ought to have dominion over our own creation. We are part of this wonderful world and we participate in it or we choose not to participate in it and then whine about when things are going wrong, right? So let's dive into that a little bit. 
Adam and Eve. A beautiful story. Most of us will remember what the story is about. And this is the second creation story here. And it's distinctively different from the first creation story. In fact, it's so different that scholars believe that this story about Adam and Eve was written first, 400 years earlier than what shows up first in the Bible. And it's explained in a way that the people who wrote the story thought about, well, first, where do we come from? Where do we as human beings come from? And then they kind of wrote the story about it. And only then, 400 years later, some other people said, well, that's very interesting, but where does the universe actually come from? That's how they explain that. And here are some scriptures that you might remember in Genesis 2 that explains the process. So here we're actually starting with the Lord God forming a man out of the dust of the ground. I want, to keep, want you to keep that in mind. And then breathing into his nostrils the breath of life. And then the man became a living being. And then the second part, out of the ground, the Lord God formed every animal that came after. Whereas in the first creation story, the animal came first and the humans came after. Here, Adam came first, then the animals. But then God said, well, we need a partner for Adam. And I want you to remember that too. He didn't say, I need a wife for Adam who is supposed to be submissive to him, he said, I need a partner for Adam. Very, very clear here. It's a partnership. Mother, Father, God. One union. One not above the other. Never ever. Okay? And then there's uh, some stuff about the deep sleep and how Eve was created and then when Adam and Eve were created, they were both naked and were not ashamed. Right? Now this, I talked about this a couple of weeks ago, this is still in the spiritual realm. This is still happening in the realm of paradise, of the Garden of Eden, of the Kingdom of Heaven. Yes, flesh is created in that sense, but we will learn later on in chapter 3, there are some nuances there as well. But today I want to keep it simple. I want to stay with just this story, just how humanity was created. And I want to compare it to some other stories that you may or may not have heard before. This is a... Um, depiction of Prometheus. Anyone ever heard of Prometheus? Yeah. Prometheus, a titan god in Greek mythology, representing fire, the god of fire. And you see here Prometheus, overseen by Athena. On the right is Athena, on the left is Prometheus. And what he holds in his hand is a human. He is forming a human out of clay, 
out of dust of ground, out of clay. And Prometheus, because he was the god of fire, he had access to Zeus's fire, the over-god, right? The king of gods. And without Zeus knowing or giving him permission, he would then take that fire and give it to men. Out of clay, humankind was made, and fire was put into them to make them special. Just as God breathes life into Adam and Eve, Prometheus gave Zeus's fire. That is significant. It's the divine spark that's being put in humanity. That make what makes us different to many other things in creation. This is from Egypt. This is uh, Egyptian mythology. Very old, by the way. Much older than anything that we usually know about in Christian scriptures or Hebrew scriptures. So this is about two and a half, three thousand years uh, before Common Era. So about 2,000 years older. On the left there, <clears throat> sorry, on the right you have God Knum, who was commanded by the overall god, Amun. Amun was an overall god that was created by the first Greek gods. And he was actually for some time in, in one of the kingdoms in Egypt, he was sometime actually be perceived as the only god. And so Amun was giving Knum the command to create humans. Because Knum, <clears throat> on the right, you see he has kind of like a, a ram-like head, uh, very common in Greek mythology. He had a potter's wheel, and he had access to clay. And what Knum did when he got the command by Amun is he took some clay and he formed an egg-like shape and on the wheel. And when he had this perfect egg out of clay, he will give it to his primordial uh, goddess mother called Naman. And Naman took it into her womb and she birthed humanity out of that. Again, we have two things. We have clay, dust of the ground, out of which everything comes into existence. In unity, you may have heard the term substance before. Out of substance comes everything. We create out of infinite substance. That's what clay represents. And the goddess the goddess here is the divine spark. Only through the goddess energy, the divine spark can be put into humanity. And one final story, this one is from China. A goddess called Nua, she um, was a special goddess, was at the very beginning of creation. At that point, Pantu, God Pantu, created the world very much like the Christian or the Jewish God created uh, the world in the six days. By then, we had all these beautiful mountains and valleys and lakes and, and all that, and all the animals were already running around. And Nua was there, very beautiful goddess, walking around, enjoying kind of the nature and all that, but then she started to feel lonely. 
and her loneliness brought her to this riverbank. And at the riverbank, she realized that she wanted company. And at first, she took some of the mud, some of the clay, and started creating figures with her hands. And she put them on the ground. And at first, those figures turned into chicken and sheep. And they were all running around, and they were entertaining Nua. And she was all happy for a little while, but then after a while, she got bored, because chickens alone and, and, and sheep alone couldn't do it. And then she looked at herself in the reflection of the lake and was inspired to then form a figure that looked just like her. And when she placed that figure on the ground, they started dancing and talking to her. And she found her companions. And she kept creating and creating. And even after her hands started hurting, she took a rope and threw it into the mud and took it out and flung it around her head. And all the drippings and everything started recreating humanity. So we have four distinct stories that pretty much say the same thing. It talks about that creation is somehow connected to a divine spark. And it is that divine spark that we need to remember. All creation is valuable because that divine spark is in all of us. We are flesh, yes. We are coming out of clay, out of the ground, out of the dust of the universe. We are atoms put together in a very specific way. That makes us 100% human. But we also have the goddess spark, the god spark, that comes with us, the breath of life that is given to us, the love of the goddess mother of her womb that's with us. We're also 100% spiritual. And that is something very important to remember. Now, Joss Fillmore, our co-founder, he wrote about light, the first part, that light is a symbol of wisdom. That goes back to let there be light. That divine spark is that light. What he also writes about the inner light is it represents the illumination of spirit, resident in the center of every man's being. That divine spark is in each and every one of us. This may seem really simple and easy to understand until we turn on the TV and listen to some of the stuff some people say on TV. This may seem simple and easy to understand until we have an argument with our partner and where we just forget that that is a reality. It's important for us to remember that we need to see rightly. We need to learn to see the light in everything and everyone. And it's not a new message I'm, I've, I give here. 
but it becomes more and more an important message for me to emphasize. Personally, also, in my own life, whenever I get a little distraught or frustrated with people or with politics or with what the world is doing, I need to remember that that divine light, that breath of life, is in everyone. That fire is in everyone. And despite our behaviors, which can be so terrible, the light is still there. And we all, all of us together, need to learn to remember that every time when someone has a tough day and we get involved in that. Every time when someone comes at us because they have a hard time to see that light in themselves, we need to remember that, yeah, your behavior is not okay right now and it's okay for us to point that out, right? It's, it's never about just taking it and, and leaving it alone, but to understand that behind even the worst behavior we can imagine, there's still the potential of someone to remember where we truly come from, who and what we truly are. And that is something that I think cannot be said too often. So what's the problem then by not seeing that light? Well, you look at the world, and what do you see in the world? Destruction, econom eco economy in the tank, terrorism, epidemic, crisis, war. You see that in the world, right? And you, we all see it in the world, and because it's distant away from us, we often don't believe that we have anything to do with it. Well, I'm not in Ukraine right now, and being involved in the war. So it's really not, I mean, it's tragic, but yet it's not my problem, right? Don't we all have that part? I remember clearly how when the war started almost a year ago, we did quite a lot. You know, we did prayer vigils, we did, uh, we started a meditation group, you know, but as with everything, when it's far away and not in our face every day, it just fizzles off. And it's not that we are to blame for that, but it's something that we need to remember and point out because we are part of that war. And while we are not directly involved in that war, we may not be Ukrainian or, or Russian, or we may not have anything to do with it, we can at least look at all that stuff that's going on outside of ourselves and can ask ourselves, well, <laughs> where am I still at war with myself? And there's not many people that I know or have ever known in my life who can truly say, I am no longer at war with myself. So we need to learn to appreciate that battle within us and to learn to deal with it in a hopefully uh, meaningful way. Then where's the problem is then the question, right? I, I talked about this before. 
the further we make a problem, the more it has to do with us, the less we are willing to deal with it. The further away we, we, we make something, the more upset we get something that is thousands of miles away, the more it hits us in our hearts, and the more we have to look at it. When we get really upset about something over in the Middle East, maybe we should look at something that's going within us, going on with us. Because it's very hard to take it, to bring it closer, right? But that's the work that we ought to do, to bring it closer to us, to personalize it, so that we can, can deal with it within ourselves. I love this little comic. It's one of my most favorite things to remember when I teach, preach, when I do anything. When I point out the finger toward you, which is pretty much every Sunday, right? <laughs> every Sunday I'm here and saying, you gotta do this, and you gotta do this, and you gotta do this. Well, how many fingers are pointing back towards me? Three, right? That realization I had a long, long time ago, I was taught that I believe he was in the ashram, if I remember correctly. I was taught that in the ashram, he said, you've got to remember that when you go out and teach. So when I tell you we've got to be more, more in harmony, I have to know at the same time I need to be in harmony also. The reason why I'm speaking to you about these beginning stories and the importance of taking it back to the beginning has a lot to do with what's happening in my own life. I have to take it back to the beginnings in order for me to be able to grow and to be healthy, to stay healthy, and so on. Wayne Dyer says this. It's a little bit more to the point, but it's the same concept. When you judge another, you do not define them you define yourself. I absolutely love this quote. And it's something that we should remember every time we point out our finger. Well, you did this to me, and I didn't like it. <laughs> or, you know, judge someone for their belief system, judge someone for their color of their skin, judge someone for the way they choose to handle themselves. Judge someone for the size of the house they live in. Judge someone for anything they do. You know, for the past 10 weeks, I, <clears throat> I've been volunteering in a, in a residential environment with teenagers. Um, they're commonly called troubled teenagers. And I, I really don't like that term <laughs> because it, it already suggests something, that there's something wrong with them. And it was really a wonderful experience. I've never had that experience before. I worked with autistic adults and older teenagers, but these were a little younger teenagers right in their development, right in puberty. And they were either released uh, from foster care or couldn't live at home anymore and they were kind of homeless. They were in this 
environment where I got the chance to serve as a counselor. And um, I got to see how our system sometimes puts this lens on. I mean, I, I, I've read a report of one of my clients or one of those residents. It was 150 pages long. And it was all about what's wrong with them. And when I was in session with them, when I was working with them, you know, an hour, an hour and a half at the time, all I could see was the beauty that's behind them. Yeah, I've seen and noticed that there's some behavioral challenges and some defiance there and some, um, you know, emotions that are usually not considered very appropriate in a, in a society or in a group environment or in a family environment. That's why they were there. But part of my job was to teach them how to be different. But first, I needed to tell them that they are not the 150 pages, that they're the light, the spark of the light. And in many ways, it reminded me that the system that they're in has this perspective. They're being judged every day. They're being judged for being wrong and not behaving the way society wants them to behave. And no one ever tells them, you're beautiful. No one. What does that do a person? What does that do to you if you don't hear once in a while a thank you or an I love you? or I care about you, and or I am with you. That takes away any will to live, which is why that population has a high risk of suicidality and homicidality, unfortunately, as well, because there's no one that tells them that they're okay. So what's the solution? And where do we find it? Well, I think Gandhi is probably the best person here to answer that. Be the change you want to see in this world. Right? I've used this before. You've heard it before from me and probably from many others. But we've got to be the change. And in order to be the change, we've got to learn to see ourselves as that divine spark and to see ourselves as this loving, kind being. And if we can't see that right now, then reach out to someone and ask them, can you remind me that I'm okay, please? Can you remind me that I'm worthy of love? And I can promise you, if you have the vulnerability to do so, you will find someone who is reminding you. And if you can't find someone, tell them Unity Fort Worth has a Sunday message at 11 o'clock every Sunday because we will continue to remind you that you are beautiful, you are wonderful, and not only on Sundays but throughout the week. And I will be available to you as well just to remind you 
And once we know that we are the divine spark, once we know that we have that power, once we remember we have dominion over all the creeping crawlies and all the creatures and all creations, once we remember, then we will change the world. Once we stop battling with ourselves and going to war with each other, not only within our families, but even in this community, once we stop doing that, we will see that change the world. But it starts with us. So I'm going to stop here so that we get a little bit of breather for the meditation. For next week, I'm going to continue on Genesis. I'm going to move from chapter 2 to chapter 3 because chapter 3 is all about Adam and Eve doing the one bad thing, which is eat the apple, the forbidden fruit, right? And it's often seen as the original sin, isn't it? We, we, many of us are taught that this is the original sin. And that's why Jesus had to come to wash away that sin, right? That's very common in Christianity. And I'm going to tell you that the way that we are supposed to read this story, that it is not an original sin, but an original blessing. It's actually telling us why we have been let go of the Garden of Eden and why we will always be welcomed back. And it has nothing to do with sin and everything to do with the blessing that we already are. So I hope you join me next week to continue on this journey with me. And let us now take time for our meditation. So just get settled for a moment. Get comfortable in your chair, in your pew. Plant your feet firmly on the ground. Relax your shoulders and breathe. Take a deep breath, just one, deeply in. And exhale. Don't be shy. Don't worry about everyone else hearing it. Take a deep breath in. And hum as you exhale. Ah. Breathe in. Breathe out. Ah. Feel in your body the breath coming in. And feel the vibration of your ah. That is the divine spark at work. And as you continue breathing, allow your body to settle. 
your mind to do the same. Allow your heart to start its journey toward expansion well beyond the confinement of your body. Allow your spirit to be present. Allow yourself to express that spirit right now. Don't worry, no one will see. You're okay. You're by yourself right now. Imagine for a moment that God made you in their image and their likeness. Imagine for a moment that Prometheus put that fire in you. Allow yourself to dance in spirit with Nuva. Have a conversations with the goddess who created humanity. Or be simply a creation of Nama, the divine motherhood. We all are precious. You are precious. And your preciousness is important to this world. And the more that you and we, and we all can remember that, that we are kind and loving and good and have that divine spark and that fire, we encourage ourselves to be more of that, to be less of the limitations that we put on ourselves. Remember to take off the mask once in a while and let, us, let others see who and what we truly are. And once we take off the mask and we are vulnerable and comfortable and courageous enough for others to see, we can take the divine breath in and out and share and then change the world. So whatever comes up for you right now, Whatever you think you want to express and be and let shine, and let others know, I want you to remember. Remember and try it out just for a week. And even if you get shut down or people are not understanding, remember they are the divine spark too. They're trying to.
allow them to be as you allow yourself to be. So let us give thanks together. Let us give thanks to all those stories that are so inspiring and so marvelously tell us about our origin and our heritage. Let us give thanks to each other for the compromises and the challenges to get through to what it takes to be a community, a community that remembers the goodness rather than dwells on the challenges. And yes, let us give thanks to ourselves, to the commitment we made today to come in, to turn on the TV or the phone or iPad and be willing to sit still for a few minutes and listen. Listen with an open heart and mind as that will change the world forever and ever. And so it is. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Unity Fort Worth podcast. You just heard this week's message and meditation. For the live streams and more information, go to unityfortworth.org. 